everyone. Welcome to joining us on Behind the Scene at NTSB. Thanks a lot. Uh, if you got us on Apple Podcast or Google Play, thank you very much. And for those that connected with us on Stitcher, we're on Stitcher now. I appreciate it. Make sure to rate us and give us positive reviews so that other people can find this podcast and uh, join in the listening pleasure that is Behind the Scene at NTSB. Also, make sure to connect with us on the internet at NTSB. Dot gov on Twitter at NTSB, on Facebook at NTSBGov, and on Instagram at NTSBGov. We love to connect with you there. This week, we're really excited to be joined by Leslie McClam, uh, a career development advisor here at the NTSB, and um, looking forward to hearing her passion about you know advising people to advance and to continue to learn and uh, how that all works out here at the NTSB. So thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here today. So how long have you been at the board? So I've been here since 2007. Okay. Yeah, so I've been here for a so while. For a while. Mm-hmm. So uh, has it always been? So right now you're doing like uh, career development. You know, has it always been in that position, or have you career developed yourself into doing different things? Oh, that's a good good segue. <laughs> I exactly did that. Um, when I first came to the NTSB, I was a human resources specialist. I was a junior specialist, and then I kind of worked my way up to become a senior specialist, and then I became the team lead for recruitment um, nice. for the recruitment team. So one, I, I did that for about two years, and then one day this position comes across my desk for a career development advisor, and I look at it, and I'm like, hmm. I want to apply for that job. Yeah. So I went to my boss and I said, I can't um, staff this job for you. Someone else will need to do it because I'm going to apply. And I applied, got accepted, and here I am. That's awesome. So you've been yeah. doing this for a while then. Yeah, I've been in this position for five years now. That's really mm-hmm. cool. So, so you know, we always, you know, in previous episodes and people in general know we have a lot of engineers, a lot of, you know, science background, mm-hmm. science, 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 like all that kind of stuff. But Everyone can do career development. So staff within the strategic, uh, strategic SRC, I was, I'm trying not to use acronyms, but within uh, safety recommendations, communications, like leadership growth, you don't have to just grow like, like academically, you can also grow professionally. Like what are some of the types of programs that people can do? So here at the NTSB, we have a couple um, programs that people can do to expand their career. For example, for our employees at the GS7 through 13 levels, they can participate in the professional development program. And the goal of that program is to kind of help you to develop yourself to the next level before uh, supervisory leadership level okay. management. Then we have the, the leadership development program for our GS 14s and 15s. And that particular program is preparing you to get ready for the mid-level leadership um, okay. prior to becoming an SES. And then, of course, we don't have any formalized programs for people that aspire to be executives. But um, one of the projects that I worked on in my current role is um, Eric Fielding and I did some benchmarking with the training center to try, I'm sorry, we did some benchmarking throughout the federal government okay. of other agency uh SES candidate development programs. Mm -hmm. So what we had recommended was that our agency partner with some other agencies. So therefore, people who are at the GS-15 level and some high-performing 14s can partner with other agencies, go into their SES candidate development programs. And those typically last about a year to 18 months, and they prepare you for uh, working towards your ECQ so that you can get certified to become an SES or you have your ECQ certified. That must be pretty cool. So to even take a step back, what got you interested in doing that? I mean, it's got to be fun to help people, but like... why was that interesting to you? What what sparked your interest? So, you know, I've always 
like working with people. People, you know, I'm just a people person. Well, you did start in HR, and that's generally just all about people. <laughs> yes, yeah. So um, what actually got me into this position or wanted me to transition, I kind of got burnout on doing operational HR, and basically that's pretty much the paper pushing. You know, mm-hmm. you're putting out vacancy announcements, and you're doing, reviewing people's resumes, doing their qualification analysis, um, calling people in for uh, interviews or before you get to that step, issuing referral lists to us hiring managers. Yeah. I just got burnt out doing that. I wanted to do something where I could get more experience doing programs and working closer with people. So when this position came up and I looked at exactly what they were looking for, someone to run the agency mentoring program, uh, come up with other uh, creative programs that would focus on development, I thought this would be, A, a challenge for me, and I thought it would be fun. So that's how I kind of got into this. And so there was never, like, I I always try to find out, like, that spark. And it's just, you just like people so much, you just wanted to kind of help them out and get more involved with helping them grow and just... Kind of, it's kind of fun. They're kind of like your little mentors, mentees. You get to watch them grow up. Yeah, exactly. And actually, with regards to HR, um, I was in the federal government. HR is broken down into various different sectors. So okay. I was in staffing and recruitment. What I am now is still considered an HR function. It's in training and development. Okay. So I, I, my love has always been for HR, but I just wanted to expand and grow my own career doing more than just working in operational under recruitment and staffing. I just wanted to do more on the program side, development, and training others. So this actually, this job, I get the best of both worlds yeah. because I'm not just focusing solely on training like what our training center staff does. I do more than that. I'm actually um, doing some of the program stuff because, like I said, I manage the agency mentoring program. All of our developmental programs from the executive level all the way down to our lowest graded employees. So I really get to cast my net very widely. That's really cool. Can you talk a little bit about the the mentoring program? Uh, Our our, uh, happy listeners also know I've only been here for a while, so I don't know all the intricacies of the agency or federal government. But so what what is the mentoring program? Okay, so the NTSB mentoring program, um, when it first launched. We launched it out in pilot form and we did a year-long pilot to kind of figure out how we wanted to um, make our program to fit specifically for the agency. So basically what it is is people can um, you self-select to be in the program. Mm-hmm. It's not something that's very formal. It's really informal. You just apply either as a mentor or a mentee. There's a very brief uh, survey. And actually, that survey can be found out on our portal. I have a page on the portal, the development, career development. Oh, cool. And then under the mentoring page, there's a mentoring page. So you would just fill out brief questionnaire. And basically what you're looking at is you're identifying what type of competency. So competencies are skills or knowledges that you're looking to be mentored in, or if you want to serve as a mentor, what you can offer someone. So then you turn that form in and then I match people based upon the fit for mentors and mentees. We run various activities um, throughout the year within our mentoring program. We start off with an orientation, then we do like a kickoff after everyone's been matched. We do like a mentor-mentee mixer, just like a fun time for everybody to get together. Then throughout the year of the mentoring program, I either I will do it or I um, get people from other agencies to come in and do it for me where we will do workshops on various different oh, cool. developmental topics such as 
resume writing, how to apply for a federal job, um, portfolio, um, just anything. Branding, that was really a big popular topic. Like last year, there was a lot of going on how to brand yourself. Ooh. So just all these different... I clean up my social media profile, those kind yes, of brandings? Yes, exactly. Just, just so ways So where do to... you live on the Snapchat? Should I have a Snapchat? <laughs> Our interns want us to have Snapchat. <laughs> Uh, well, I'm a Generation Xer, um, <laughs> and my youngest daughter is. She's on Snapchat. I mean, I have a Snapchat, oh, but I just go. don't know how to work it. I there mean, I find myself like on the weekends, I'm playing with my phone. So I, I definitely think you should stay uh, abreast of social media, yeah. the various different forms. Because, like for example, Facebook. The younger generation's not on Facebook anymore. Yeah. Like my daughter, she's 17. She, you won't find her on Facebook. She's on Twitter, so um, Snapchat, Instagram, and actually, she's kind of coming off of Instagram too as well so she's yeah. aging out of Instagram yes indeed yes. <laughs> that's so. really cool so you ha- you get to keep up up to date with all the, you know just since we talked about like the social media keep up to date so you can help other people you know a don't make career pitfalls but how you can use it to help yourself advance and, and go about and and you're doing it so it's for the person it's not necessarily they can learn things and they don't have to stay here at the agency like they can learn and grow and realize that maybe this isn't where they want to be and you know take those skills somewhere i mean it's just personal development growth yes correct um and to add to that one of the things that i do for our interns when we bring summer interns in i always do a workshop for the interns and part of that where you were talking about the whole social media piece i address that with their um how they are representing themselves on their social media profiles you know just to help them to understand that once whatever you put online, it's there forever. So just helping them to, you know, use social media in a more appropriate way. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I just think that it's, um, it's really cool that there's someone like you to do these kind of things to help people just realize, you know, you know, we always want to be learning. You always want to be growing. Yes. You always want to be do, do, doing different things and, and testing yourself and challenging yourself. And uh, I think kind of having a person like you in, in your corner kind of doing that, it makes it a lot easier to do. But I also think it's important for everyone who's, you know, uh, you know, we've talked to a lot of investigators and doing different things, but everybody needs to grow, you know, yes. within within communications, within safety advocacy. There's all these different opportunities. And I think that's it's really important, yes. um, you know, so are there are there things that, you know, so we have the portal and the portal for those that don't know is our internal. So sorry, those of you that aren't NTSB uh, agency members, you don't really get to see our portal, but, um, you know. What are some resources for for people if they didn't want to go to the portal, like to just see what is of interest to them, like different opportunities that might be out there or trainings? Okay, so um, because I do so many different things, I mean, I do career counseling and career advising. There are a lot of resources out there. One of the things that I do when people come to see me, I often utilize different assessment tools. Um, So like, for example, if someone is trying to determine if they want to change careers, I will do a career assessment with them so that they can determine and decide, okay, what career path do I want to take? Um, Some other tools or tips that people can do, um, especially like if you're looking for federal employment, um, I go over the USA Jobs. I'll do that tutorial with folks to help them to how to go on and navigate USA Jobs, um, how to establish your profile in USA Jobs, because I always tell people it's best to have a profile already established whereby you can receive um, the weekly reminders when there are positions that match your profile, jobs that come vacant, so you don't have to go on and do that search. You can automatically have a search set up. So I work on things like that with people. I mean, there are so many different resources out there. (laughs) It just depends on what the need that that person has. 
and then you're there to kind of help them figure out what their what their need is. Like I'm the kind of person I don't know what kind of questions to ask. Yes. Mm-hmm. So there's someone there to help me like figure out what those kind of questions are. Exactly. And, so um, like you mentioned earlier with our investigators and um, our engineers, oftentimes people come to me that are in those career fields and maybe they're looking for a career change or maybe they're saying, okay, I want to grow in this career. Yeah. How do I grow? So I can work with them to help them to say, okay, we'll start with your IDP, which is something uh, acronym for the Individual Development Plan. Okay. That's something in the federal government that we use to identify training needs, developmental opportunities. So I work with people to help them grow by establishing an, an IDP because you'll be surprised how many people don't even have one. And it's a very useful tool. I, I don't think I have one. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I think you'd like be a very popular person at the agency. Are you, I mean, do people take advantage of you as, of you as they should? Not advantage, um, advantage, but you know what I mean? Like come in and use your resource. resources? Yes. Yeah. Well, actually, I would have to say yes. Um, people awesome. are Good. always Good coming job, to people. me for very, you know, various different things related to their career. Um, oftentimes, when people get ready to leave the agency, I notice <laughs> they will come see me, you know, just, you know, for guidance yeah. and, you know, advice as to, you know, what should I do here? Or if I know people that are thinking about leaving the agency and they're out there on USA Jobs, they'll come to see me and say, hey, will you look at my resume? Or I'm applying to this job. Can you give me some pointers? Because of course, my background is I am an HR specialist. I am in that 201 series. So of course, I know how to qualify, all those things. So people do take advantage of, you know, my skill set that I have that unique ability that I did come from the HR world. And, you know, I was a recruitment specialist for over seven years before I took this position. So. Where were you two years ago in my life when I started this process <laughs> to get into the agency? Yeah. I needed someone to help me out. Yeah. yeah. Do you have, uh, we have a question from the audience. Lydia. Hi. Um, I am curious. You mentor a lot of people throughout the agency, either formally or informally, and you offer a lot of opportunities <clears throat> for mentorship. Do you yourself have a mentor, either formal mm-hmm. or informal? And, you know, how often do you interface with them and how do they support you? Okay, so that's an excellent question. Yes, I've had mentors all throughout my career. Um, Ever since I first came in the government, I remember I actually came in as an intern, and I found mentors immediately, and I've had mentors throughout my career. Currently here at the NTSB, I have three people that serve as my mentors, and they're at different levels. I have one executive, I have one person who's a GS-15, and one that is a GS-14. And I meet with my mentors usually on a monthly base. Sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less. And then also another tool that I recommend that people get engaged in is coaching. Um, I have a coach that I work with and she's wonderful. I mean, she's really awesome because what I like about her is she challenges me to challenge myself. So I tell people mentoring is great, but coaching also is another great tool that you can take advantage of to help you to work through your um when you're trying to figure out what you want to do with your career or just anything that you're working on in life. You said you started as an intern. Was that here at the agency? No. um, I started at another federal agency. I was an intern for two years there, and then I came here to the NTSB. See, we have an intern we've had for almost 10 months. It can be good to be an intern for a while. You learn a lot of different experiences. So you did an internship in what agency and then came here? Sorry, I over-talked you and I missed that. Yes, I was at the United States Agency for International Development. That's how I came into the federal government. I was an HR intern. Um, The program that I came in no longer exists. It was called the Federal Career Intern Program. They've since done away with that program. Now we have Pathways, which has replaced 
all mm -hmm. that's just the way all of our intern programs are through pathways. Which we, we just, have some pathway positions open right yeah, now. Yeah, we were just yes. talking about pathways because uh, uh, listeners, if you hadn't hadn't checked out our Facebook page, uh, we have our Facebook Live um, that we did with some of our research and engineering uh, staff because we have a couple Pathways programs uh, open there. So since that's relevant and just all happened, can you explain kind of how the Pathways programs works? So the Pathways program, like I said, it is the government's official internship program. And there are three different ways that you can come into the Pathways program. Uh, the first way is Pathways. It's uh, for just like with positions that have a not to exceed date. So for the NTSB, oh, okay. the way that we utilize our pathways with not to exceed dates, we utilize those through our summer internships. Mm -hmm. So basically what that means is those uh, summer interns come on board and then they have to be off our rolls by a certain date. Okay. It's usually by the end of September or something along it's those lines. A good summer internship. Exactly. Yeah. It's an old-fashioned summer internship. Old-fashioned. Yeah. <laughs> I be, came in. I came in on yes. one of those old-fashioned internships in 20 years step Later, program back here. then. Yeah. yeah, steps and the skeps. That, that's what the Pathways has replaced. Then the second way to come into the Pathways program is for the recent graduates. Mm -hmm. Those are people who have recently graduated, whether you graduate high school, college, or a master's degree program mm -hmm. or graduate education. That's another way to come in. And those positions are usually geared towards more so for they're they're geared to establish long term positions. So those interns will come in and then eventually will be converted into a more permanent position. Okay. Then the third pathways program is the Presidential Management Fellows programs. And that is really a it's it's a program that's targeted for look for um, future leaders. Mm -hmm. So people coming in at the uh, 12, 13, 14 levels it's really looked to replace like your supervisory and okay. those people people that come in through those programs are looking to build your leaders your next cadre of leaders and so kind of uh it's the federal government's version of like a journeyman program an apprenticeship journey exactly like a leadership development yeah. program basically is what that is that's yeah. really cool mm -hmm. for the listeners they'll have one more day after this episode airs to apply for um, one of one of the uh, the summer internships yep. or the entry level um, mm -hmm. pathways position so okay. if you're listening Get your USA jobs, yeah. and you have one more day to, to get it That's in. But see, if you had in. your USA jobs profile set up, you would have already gotten a notification because you got it all. See, it's you got to do correct. the work ahead of time to yep. get some of this together. Exactly, and your resume needs to be ready. <sighs> and I mean, there's resumes. I always try to run at least one resume writing class here at the NTSB every year because things change. Like a year ago, we were told you should um, tailor your resume. I mean have a separate resume for every different type of position you apply. Yeah. Now we say you just have one master resume with all of your experience in that one master resume, and then you just tailor it to fit whatever job you're applying to. So there's no more. Like at one point, I think I had five different versions of my resume. Yeah. Now I have one master resume. I use that if I'm going to apply to a job, and then I just tweak it to reflect the relevant experience that they're looking for in the position that I'm applying. Well, and it's even good even if you don't plan on applying for exactly. a job just to keep – because when you – do if, if you're going to use it to apply for a job and you haven't touched it for four, five, six years, whatever it may be, it could be a little hard to get in – into shape and to be honest, and like you said it changes what kind of processes yes and i don't think of myself as old but i am you know when i first started applying for jobs there wasn't an online thing yes. you, you sent your resume in and that was it it was really cool when you got to fax it in or oh, you could yeah. scan it in and that yeah. was awesome when people read through it but now 
there was a time where you had to make sure keywords were highlighted because yes. the the algorithms would look for the keywords and you wouldn't get popped to the next level. Yeah. Because and that it, has been a myth too. I'm glad oh, you really? brought that oh. up. That is a myth. Well, then uh, no, a lot of people, a very well communicated yes. myth, I have yes. to say. <laughs> a lot of people really believe that. And I mean, rightfully so. But most agencies do not use some type of system that has an algorithm oh. to look for buzzwords. They do not. What they do when you apply it, for federal positions, when you're applying for jobs, you're going to answer those questionnaires. And that is really the key to what drives that referral list. Yeah. It's basically how you respond to those questions. And then the HR specialist is going to compare your responses on that questionnaire to their experience that's reflected in your resume. So no, there's, I wish it were that easy. I wish that there were some magic button, yeah. but there's not. There's not. Well, now I feel like I I did something wrong earlier in my life because I didn't get some of those jobs. And I was just blaming it on the filters. Yes, yes, no filters. I think James has a question. How do you know that a person is being genuine? Couldn't they just lie through that process? Oh, of course, yes, because <laughs> the system, again, when you're applying for federal jobs, it is you are self-disclosing everything. So it's up to you. You are putting that in there. So when a HR specialist gets your application and they're looking at your responses to the questionnaire and you're answering, I'm an expert, I'm an expert, I'm an expert, then they're going to compare your experience in that resume to what is reflected in that questionnaire. Mm -hmm. And if there is a mismatch, then they're going to override your questionnaire and say, nope, this person is not eligible for the job. Then the second level, because most certainly you can be deceptive on your resume as well. You can have somebody write that resume to speak to exactly what's in that vacancy announcement. So the second level to filter that is the interview process. When you go into that interview and you meet with those hiring managers, they're coming at a whole different angle and they're going to be able to filter you out and say, wait a minute, this person looked excellent on paper, but in this interview, they don't have this experience. They don't understand the acronyms of the lingo. So, yeah, yeah. You, people fake it, but you're not going to make it all the way through the process. Uh, I just may put out there, you may want to look at James's application process. Something going on I there. hired James, so <laughs> I saw his resume. He was very... Very qualified. <laughs> okay, okay. I see how we it is. Agree. We, we would too. agree. We would agree, yes. We've kind of gone down an interesting road, and I didn't mean to go on like the HR process as yes. well, but it's it's something where not a lot of people know about. It's very mysterious. Yes. You know, there's this uh, nationwide, this large portal, USA Jobs, and that's pretty much it because everyone's gone that way. It's a, it's a good way to centralize all the federal government, the largest employer in the, in yes. the world or the United States. But uh, So I didn't mean to go down the road, but this has been pretty interesting to talk about that. But to get back onto you just a little bit, okay. within your the, the work you've been doing, what program that you've developed have you been the most proud of or which one has been the most proud of and then maybe another one, what's the most interesting, the one that you didn't expect to be like a service that people really wanted or something. Okay. Well, I've done so much here at the NTSB in terms of <laughs> career development. I think probably for me, the one program that I'm probably most proud of, and unfortunately I can't take credit for it because I didn't develop it, but I can take credit for getting it to where it is today. And that is the professional development program. Okay. Uh, when I first took this position, it, uh, when I first came into this position, that was the first year that that program was launched. And I was asked to take a back seat, even though I was in this job, mm -hmm. to let the people who put the program together, let them run it. And I was asked to just kind of take a back seat, observe, and see where 
I could, you know, where could some improvements take place? Yeah. So for the whole year, my first year in this position, when that program was launched, I did exactly that. I sat back, I observed, I took notes. When the year was over, I put together a work group, and the work group was comprised of myself, some of the folks that were actually in the program, supervisors, people at the training center, uh, Farrah Guest from the EEODI office, and a couple other people. And EEODI, for those that don't equal know. Equal Employment Opportunity Diversity and Inclusion. It's a mouthful. Nicely done. New, uh, uh, new uh, office name. <laughs> but make a long story short, so we were the work group. We worked together for about six months to totally revamp the program, based upon evaluations that we received from those who were in the program, what I observed, and we totally redesigned the program. And I just graduated the th- the third cohort of that program. Nice. Um, not a couple months ago, and I'm okay. I'm very proud of that group. They had very meaningful agency specific projects, and that I think out of everything that I've done in this role, I'm most proud of that. Now, the second part of your question, you asked me, um, what are some of the things that I'm working on, or what or, are the most or interesting? What's most interesting that you didn't expect to be like kind of a thing? Okay, so right now I have been <laughs> <laughs> listeners. The face she made, she's got something yes. in mind. Oh yes. <laughs> I was asked by the chairman to um, put together a cross-training program. So initially when I met with the chairman and John DeLisi, who was the one who actually came up with the concept. The director of Office of The director of Office of Aviation Safety. When I met with them initially to kind of hear John's vision and hear the chairman's vision, I was like, okay, I, I think I can do this. But I put together a work group, and this thing has morphed <laughs> into something that I never even envisioned after speaking with them. I mean, it morphed for the better. But um, where we are now, we're still in the process of rolling it out. We're actually, I need to get the email out to all office directors because we need to start soliciting. We're breaking news here? Yes, yes, I'm breaking news. <laughs> so that email will come out soon to office directors so that they can start um, identifying who will serve as the office point of contact to work with myself and the DIAC, which is the, I hope I don't mess this acronym up, the Diversity Inclusion um, advisory committee. Okay, I did it right. Well so the DIAC, uh, they are going to serve as the intermediate body to help myself work with the offices as they establish cross-training opportunities. Cool. And then we're going to launch a pilot, hopefully in the spring. That's our goal, but we'll see. Yeah, that's very cool. So it would be, you know, someone from aviation safety cross-trained with someone from, you know, uh, safety recommendations, communications, like so the Learn way everybody does. So the way we are envisioning it, we're going to launch it as a pilot where we'll have six um, cross training opportunities. Two will be modal, so theoretically, maybe somebody from the Office of Aviation Safety could go to Office of Railroad. Okay. So you'd have two investigators, kind of. I wouldn't say swap because you can go into a like. Just what I'm we're saying is. We'll have two modal offices come up with a cross-training opportunity. So, for example, if you take Office of Aviation Safety or rail, it doesn't mean that a rail person goes to aviation, aviation person goes to rail. It just means that an investigator, regardless of what um, office they're in, could go to either of those offices to work an opportunity. And then we will have two non-modal opportunities. For example, maybe someone could come and work in the MD's office Mm -hmm. or everyone at this agency just loves the Office of Safety and Recommendations and Communications. They love your office. And maybe (laughs) someone could come and do a cross-training opportunity there. And then the last two opportunities will be at the executive level. So 
That's really cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, it kind of leads into, you know, the, the, what the purpose of the podcast or one of the pieces of the podcast is to learn what everyone does. And this is an opportunity to, to cross that mode. You know, we don't want to, what is it called? Siloed. We don't want to stay siloed. You want to learn what everyone else is doing, kind of what's going on. I think that's really cool. That'd be kind of fun. And this goes along with the chairman's vision for the journey to number one. Um, And actually in our research, uh, the professional development program, one of the groups actually did their project on Mm -hmm. rotational assignments, which is the same thing as cross training. And one of the things that they did is they benchmarked against all of the number one agencies, the agencies that were in the top five, I believe, small, large, and medium-sized agencies. And one of the key components that all of those agencies had is a rotational program. So this is really something that's going to help us as we go on this journey to number one. That's cool. And you actually kind of hit, I wrote down myself to ask a question of like, what were the types of projects that the professional development program did? And, you know, I know it helped them grow, but is it something that will then help the agency grow? And you kind of sort Mm -hmm. of answered that. That was one, we had two separate groups. One group worked on the agency rotational program. And then the other group worked on improving our onboarding here at the agency. So yes, these are two projects that will be very, very valuable to this agency. And I'm happy to report that the, um, agency onboarding program, they're already working with our HR office to kind of get that implemented and get it going. So that's a, that's really good news. That's very cool. I mean, it's, it's important to help people for the onboarding, like make that smooth. And cause it's, you're nervous that you left whatever you were doing before to come here and you want it to have a smooth process and enroll into it. So that's kind of fun. And one of the things that I'm doing with the onboarding, which I'm really excited about because I've always thought that I should be doing this from the moment I took this job <laughs> is um, helping new people and new people come on board, matching them with a mentor yeah. so that they have somebody to help indoctrinate them to the agency. Well, I so. mean, I'm telling you, when I get a chance here, I'll probably go to the portal and I'll fill out the form because I think it's important. You know, uh, you need to have someone you can chat with and, yes. and help you grow or do whatever you want. You never stop learning. I mean, if that's one thing I've learned before and then you know, with uh, my current supervisor, he's he's a never stop learning kind of guy, and yeah. so uh, it's it's hard not to get that message if from him if he really likes to chat. Oh, Leah has another question. Um, some people are not as much of a keep on learning personality type person, or they might be hesitant or a little bit nervous about reaching out and asking for a mentor. And so I'm curious what you would say to someone who isn't maybe as um, enthusiastic about putting themselves out there, or might be a little bit, um, you know, confused about the whole process. How would you encourage them to really, you know, get into the mentorship process? So probably what I would do is I would just talk, you know, to encourage someone to well, to convince them, because that's exactly what I'm trying to do, to get them to um, think about having a mentor is it's all about you. I mean, you know what you want, what your goals, your aspirations. And it's to me, in my opinion, I think it's always good to have someone that can help you get to where you're trying to go. And that's exactly what a mentor can do. They can help you to aspire to your goals. So it's really about doing a lot of that self-reflection. And one of the things that I do when people come to see me, I have this assessment tool that I use. It's like a Basically, it's like a self-inventory where you really just sit down and you identify what are some key things going on, like in your career, in your family, what are the areas that you want to focus on, and it can help you to hone in on exactly what it is that you want. And then by utilizing that tool, I can then help them to say, okay, well, maybe a mentor would be good for you in this area or that area to identify and show them to put that connection together. 
I have a follow-up to that. Oh. So when you're kind of identifying someone that might be a good fit for you, what are some of the things that you should look for in a mentor? Okay, so what I tell people to look for in a mentor, look for someone that you would maybe aspire to want to be like. And I don't just mean be like them in a person, but depending on what you're looking for mentoring for. So obviously most of us, it's for our careers. So you look at someone that has the competency, skills, and traits that you would want. Um, for example, I always, I get a lot of people recently because, you know, NTSB is a very top-heavy organization. Our employees, our average grade is a GS-13 around here. So a lot of people are looking to become executives. So I tell them, you know, look around at the cadre of executives that we have and you look and see Who's good at leading people? Who's good at building coalitions? And then based upon that, that's how you decide who you want to mentor you. So you look for people that embody the skills and traits that you would like to develop. And that's a good way to kind of figure out who you want to be your mentor. Yeah. That's, I mean, and I think you, it's a two-way uh, two street. Like you have to want to be able to do that. Yes. But then you also have to find someone that's willing to kind of work with you. And, Correct. You know, it's not something I ever really thought about. And, and Stephanie and Leah can let you know, we have kind of an informal discussions within our division every now and then. It's, it's taken me a while to warm up to that. But if you have the, I mean, it's not a scary thing. People shouldn't be afraid of it because yes. it's, mm-hmm. it's good for you to really accept where you, you know, help you where you are now, but there, you should always try to aspire and, and to grow. And, and I, it's been fun because we have you cornered here to answer some of these mm-hmm. questions, but I think more people should, should really take advantage of those. Kind yeah. Of things. And one of the things, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, oh, but no, one no, of the no, things no, that we please, are, sure. I'm trying to do um, also too, with our executives, just trying to get more engagement with our executives to help develop and give back to others. And I've really received a lot of uh, our, a lot of our executives are on board and are like, yes, I'll mentor, I'll participate. Like when we had our shadow program, which is a whole different program than mentoring, um, I had quite a few of our executives that said, yes, I would I would love to have someone shadow me so that they can see what it is like to be a, a day in the life of an executive. Yeah. So, yeah, just trying to get them on board as well. I so. picture that as kind of the uh, the work version of take your take your staff to work yes. day. Like you have them follow you around <laughs> and the different things yeah. you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you mentioned that we're kind of a top-heavy agency. We have a lot of uh, high GS-level employees. Yes. And that, that's unusual and like for federal wide? So not so much that it's unusual federal wide. It's just the nature of this particular agency. We are a small agency. We have a very large mission and our mission requires people that have expertise. Mm -hmm. We're not like a DOD, a large agency whereby they have the various levels. But here at this agency, because we are so small, we need people to come like I like we used to say back in my HR days, managers always used to say, I need someone that can hit the ground running. So we often hire people that come from industries and they're on their second career or they have a lot of expertise. So, and so that's why things like the pathways program, that's only open for one more day are, are, are big and important. The internships, you know, also if you're interested in it, uh, if you know someone, maybe reach out because sometimes, you know, someone will know something's coming up and be able to kind of flag it to pay attention for it, to look yes. out for, um, you know, be proactive. If you're, if you're kind of young, you're just finishing up school, you're yep. going to finish up soon. And, and this is something that you're interested in. Uh, we had a, yesterday a question on the, uh, the Facebook live or the other day on the Facebook live was, you know, what kind of things should I be doing in school and, mm-hmm. you know, or should I go to industry first and then over? I mean, they said yesterday, I kind of believe it. There's not really one answer to yes. that. It's kind of mm-hmm. work. It's what works good for you, where you are at life, and kind of generally where where you want to go in life and how that's available to you, yeah. too. And, 
And I think also, too, one of the things, another thing that I do in this role, um, I go out to schools and speak to children. And because I say children because the age groups vary. I go into middle schools. I go into high schools. And we talk about the various different STEM career opportunities available here at the NTSB. And a lot of people, and especially we're trying to get more women and minorities to get into some of these STEM-related fields. So sometimes I take Beverly Drake with me because she's uh, a female. Um, She's from another country, Mm -hmm. and she's a pilot. And when I take her with me, it gives young women hope. Like, wow, you're a pilot. You do this, you do that. So just kind of exposing kids at a younger age to the STEM career opportunities that are available that they would never otherwise think. Yeah. And Beverly is going to be a future podcast guest. So yes. Listeners, you will get the full, <laughs> I share office space with Beverly, so you'll get the full Beverly experience and it's highly yes, entertaining. And it is. It's very informative. <laughs> um, you know, you never kind of, you, when the job opening came up for this, you kind of found it, but you've really kind of made it your own. I did. And, you know, is it just you doing this or do you have uh, some folks working with you? I mean, I see you run around the halls a lot, yes. so uh, you're getting your steps and I know that. I'm a team of one, <laughs> <laughs> but I have a lot of collaboration that I do. Um, I collaborate with the training center. I just got to give a shout out to Eric Fielding and Jim Pritchard because they do all of my group training. So mm-hmm. anytime I do anything that involves groups and it requires training, they do all of that for me. They arrange it, bring in the contractor. So I could not do it without them. All of the assessment tools that I use, they are the ones that provide those for me. Um, and Farrah Guest, who's in the office of EEODI, mm-hmm. that long acronym, she partners with me on a lot of things. We put together a lot of programs. One of the things that we did last year, we partnered um, from her office and the mentoring program. We all, we sponsored a trip to the new African-American Museum. So that was a, you know, a good collaborative effort that we worked together to do that. And that's how I get a lot of stuff done. I just collaborate. I work with HR a lot on a lot of things. Yeah. So just collaboration. But I am a team of one. Well, you, you are one, but you have a team supporting yes. you. They just don't realize that they're your team. Yes. Or they might, but they're, yeah. you know, they're helping you out with all of that. That's really awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, is there is there a Leslie at other federal agencies, or are we lucky enough to, to be one of the few that have someone like you? Actually, other federal agencies have a whole department. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they have a whole t- like a whole team that they do the career advising. Yeah. They have mentoring programs. They have separate entities that do all you know all that. I'm a one woman shop. I do yeah. it all. So that's right. Yeah. yeah. That's- well, you know, those that are here at the table will help you with whatever you need. I'll put that <laughs> well, Leah has there. stepped in and helped me. She's facilitated for me for the professional development program. Okay. And everyone just loved her facilitation skills. And <laughs> I didn't mean to throw her under the bus, but I've recommended her for some other facilitation. <laughs> well, I'm going to throw you back under the bus and tell you that you should be proud of all the work that you've done because all of the people in the cohort raved about your leadership and and the support that you provided them. So it's a true testimony to how you're running the program. Well, thank you. Mm -hmm. I had the opportunity to be a part of the NTSB mentor uh, program. And I know one of the things that you had arranged for the group that I was a part of was to go over to the Holocaust Museum for um, a leadership training opportunity. I was just wondering if you could just talk a little bit about that, explain that to everyone else, or curious if it's even exists anymore, if that's uh, still around. 
Yes, that was a program that existed. And basically what that program was, it was a leadership program that allows you to look at leadership failures so that you don't repeat the same cycle of what happened with Hitler and his regime. So basically what that program consisted of is each person that participated, we usually would have to have at least 30, I think it were 35 slots is what the program allowed for. And you had to have a minimum of 30, which, and I'll explain why you needed a minimum of 30 in a second. But basically you had to watch a video and I still have the video. If people are interested, I have six copies of the video in my mentoring library. And you have to watch this video because part of the leadership program, when you go over there, you're going to digest and discuss the video and go over different clips of the video and discuss aspects of leadership. So then after you do that portion, you go on a guided tour by docents, and some of them of which are Holocaust survivors. And just going through the tour with the docents, is just, it was just phenomenal to just go through and see everything that went took place during that Holocaust. Then after you go on the tour with the docents, you come back in and you process it all, and you discuss some of the things that you saw and how everything with what happened during the Holocaust, how that impacted in leadership the decisions that were made. Um, it was a phenomenal program. When I found out that it no longer existed, I was so upset. I don't know how we were able to do it the first two years, but we, we no longer can do that particular one. And for everybody who hasn't seen, the, the movie is called Conspiracy, Conspiracy. I think. And it yes. was, that was probably one of the most powerful experiences I've had seeing that movie first. And it just gives you a completely different perspective when you go through the museum to see how, like you said, this person who abused their leadership position mm -hmm. and, and really what they, they did to, to so many people, it's, it gives you, it just, I don't even know how to describe it, but it was definitely a powerful experience yes. um, going through mm -hmm. that. It was definitely a powerful program. That's interesting. And so there's programs like that and like the museum, like you don't have to be part of the NTSB if you're an outside no. agency or whatever. You can kind of see what's out there. And, and Yes, you can attend those particular museums, but you can't participate in those programs. Those, yeah. pro those leadership programs are designed specifically for agencies. And oh. the reason why I said earlier, I would explain why you needed more than 30 people is because of that piece. Okay. When they break do the breakout sessions and put you in the groups, you have to have at least a committed uh, number of 30 uh, individuals to attend. Interesting. But unfortunately, the program no longer exists. Well, maybe it'll come back. Maybe yeah, we'll have we it. hope so. Yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's good that we have someone like you to to help us out with that. And a lot of people only think of the NTSB as an investigative agency. Yes. Like all we do go do is deal with crashes and accidents and, and all of that. But there's a lot more to just yes. any, even though we're a small agency, we still have 420-ish people. Yes. And so there's a lot that needs to go on there. And if you don't you know, if you don't help people kind of grow professionally, grow yes. personally, you don't have the same quality investigations. You That's don't have right. all that support. And, you know, throughout the series of the podcast, we're not going to just talk with investigators because they're just one portion of yes. the agency. We have people that make sure that we have all the all the proper federal funding so yes. that we can do a lot of these things. And we have people, you know, making sure that all of if someone gets injured, that some, they can get all the paperwork they need. And I mean, it's a it's a large variety of, of yes. people supporting, you know, the mission to find out and get that safety mission taken care of, find out what happened. And so that doesn't happen again. But not everyone's an investigator. But I think it's important that we highlight everybody because it's true. We're we're a team of one, but we're all a big exactly. family and we're all doing kind of the same thing. And so... 
And I think you, you touched on something very key. It's so important that every single employee, all 400 and however many we are, every one person should know how their individual position connects directly to our mission. Mm -hmm. And I think when you figure out that connection, how, how does Leslie McClam connect to the mission of the NTSV, it makes your job all the more easier and it makes it all the more better because you know Every day when you come to work, no, I'm not out there investigating the accidents that go on, but I'm behind the scenes helping people as those who are out there investigating. I'm helping them to grow and develop their careers and all the other people that are here at this agency. I couldn't have said it any better. That was awesome. Uh, Leslie, I really want to thank you for taking the time to join us and to, to share your story. And I didn't mean to go down a USA Jobs rabbit oh, hole, but that was that was pretty interesting, too. And so I really appreciate it. And, and you know, folks uh, internally, make sure that you check out the resources that, that Leslie has available. For those externally, find your own Leslie, yeah. whether it's within <laughs> the group that you're in now or it's a, it's a different sort of service or not. Find someone to help out because it's yeah. really important and never stop learning and never give up on that. So I'd like to thank everyone for coming behind the scene and uh, look forward to connecting with you later. Thanks a lot. Thanks.